Love a rugby league same game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley here for the Supercoach episode of the week. Getting pretty close to the head-to-head grand finals. Nitty-gritty time for those head-to-head players. Head around 25, we're going to look at Supercoach. It is going to be a brief and short and sweet podcast for this one. A lot shorter than normal because one thing is I'm super busy with work, so I'm trying to keep on top of the podcast for everyone every week, but it is a bit hard at the end of the season's with my work commitments, I've also got a bit of, unfortunately, building going on next door. So I'm trying to get it done quickly within the times where we're not getting too much noise here. So apologies. It is going to be a real good podcast, though, because there's a lot of options this week. It's going to have a head-to-head focus. I am going to focus more on the head-to-head side of things. But certainly for overall as well, we're going to look at a lot of good options too. So for this one... It is a super coach one, like I said. If you do like the rugby league ones, we're recording tomorrow. I've got Tim O'Connor from the Super Coach Off the Bench podcast jumping on board for the Talk and Footy episode. That Talk and Footy episode is action packed. We didn't get one in last week, so we've got two weeks worth of stuff to talk about, and there is so much happening in rugby league. So if you do like the rugby league ones, tune in tomorrow on the Thursday. Talk and Footy will be hitting before the round starts. For Super Coach, though, let's get stuck straight into it. It's around where we're going to go straight to market watch. It was a big round last one, but I think everyone is scrambling at the moment to see what they're going to do with their trades. Some people don't have any trades. If you're a head-to-head player and you don't have any trades, you're in a lot of trouble. But market watch at the moment for traded out. Payne Haas is being traded out the most out of anybody. 10.6% of trades at the moment. Uh, Makes a bit of sense, but then doesn't. It just depends. I think that if you've got some front row forward cover, Certainly, a lot of teams have Tohu Harris, for example, or maybe a Corey Horsburgh or Tappany on the bench. If you've got one of these guys and you can sit paying Haas, I just don't think it's worth you know making that trade. In saying that, he isn't going to play this week, and then he's only obviously got the two weeks left. And for head-to-head players, you do only have two weeks uh, to you do only have two weeks of play left, so the final round doesn't even make a difference. So I do understand it. Uh, I w- would keep him for some teams. When you have a look at what he's been doing, I mean, look, he's averaging 74 for the season. That's second best out of the front row forwards. He is going to go into a game against Canberra in round 26. It's away at GOEA, but it is a pretty good matchup. And that harder game against Melbourne in round 27 won't matter for head-to-head players. For overall players, uh, look, 64, 85, 62, 62, and 85. That's his last five-round scores for a 72 average. It's a bit of a luxury trade to be getting rid of him if you do have a front row forward that you can plug in. Jacob Preston is an easy out, as is Mitchell Moses. Jeez, I feel sorry for everybody that held Mitchell Moses. Clint Gutherson, a bit more controversial. I would trade Gutherson out. I just think that the Eels look absolutely shot at the moment. And when you're having a look at it, he has $760,000 worth of value. He is 16% of teams at the moment, so he is quite highly owned. Threw up a 33 last week against the Broncos in a really bad game. 
What I will say in the defence of holding Clint Gutherson is he's playing against the Roosters. The Roosters have been playing better, but they are playing at Combank Stadium. And if you look at the round before last, he threw up 82 points at Combank Stadium. He likes playing at Combank Stadium. If you have a look at the Combank Stadium game so far this year, from round 23 back, he's gone 82, 61, 132, 81, 113, 75, a poor 37, a 66, and a 62. He hasn't actually scored uh, below 60-plus in any of them, bar one, at Combank Stadium this year. Loves playing there. There is the argument as well that without Mitchell Moses there, does Clint Gutherson get his hand on the ball a little bit more? I think that he does. So, again, I kind of think this one's a bit of a luxury trade. But if you do have trades left now, especially if you've got, like, four-plus, you're just going to burn them, right? Because, one, if you're head-to-head, it's all about this week. And, two, you, you can't take your trades in the next season, guys and girls. So, sure, if that's going to be an upgrade for your team, I understand it. Uh, when we're looking at some of the other players that are going out, though... A lot more sense. Um, Reese Walsh not playing this week, only the three rounds left, obviously. Same with Patrick Carrigan. So even though those guys have been great, Reese Walsh with his 120-plus last week, I get it. The Hammer's not even playing. Jermaine Hopgood is the next one on Market Watch, so it's a bit more controversial. So Hopgood, you would have thought, is just a season keeper. But he has been named on an edge, and I think that's spooked a couple of people. I wouldn't worry about him being named on the edge. I actually think that it could mean that he gets even more minutes. So, I mean, when you're having a look at him, um, on an edge, he's not going to play 80 minutes. He's going to move back to the middle. And moving back to the middle might end up sharing with, you know, Madison coming on and, and playing some edge or, or somebody else coming on and playing some edge. I just think that he's been playing 61, 59, 75 minutes his last three. He's still going to be around that mark of 60-plus minutes. And he scores other thing that I think is going to cause the most conjecture. Uh, so... Up until this point, I think most people have sort of said that he's going to hold him because of his work rate. I don't actually think that he's been that fantastic in recent times. He scored 104 points in round 22, but the three weeks before that, 63, 61, 64. And the two rounds after it, the two most recent rounds, he's gone 67 and 41. His work rate has actually gone down a little bit. And on top of that, uh, he you know only be score since round 17 is the one where he scored a try. How likely is he going to score a try against the Sydney Roosters this week? And then the next week in the grand final week, he actually does have the Penrith Panthers. So I think if you are playing head-to-head, looking at some of these upgrades from some of these eels uh, is quite astute. Because one thing is, even if they do well this week, you are going to have to then go into a head-to-head grand final in round 26, where they're going to play away at Penrith. And that could be a really tough matchup for the Eels. I don't think you'd normally want to play any of them. So it could be argued as well with guys like Hopgood, also Gutherson, that you're getting out of them for the next two weeks, not just for this week. So it does make some sense. I just keep in mind who you're actually going to trade into. There is a buy in round 27. So when we're talking about overall, it does make sense to cull your reels because they're only going to play two more games now. So much like the Broncos players, if you're overall and you've only got two out of three of the next final rounds going... It makes some sense to review it. I don't actually, uh, I'm not actually as big on Hopgood as what some people have been. Uh, I do think that he's great. I do think he's an easy hold, but I understand why people are going for a sell because he's his upside is very high. He's very hard to get to. He's only got the one ton in the last five games, and he's gone sixties in most of the rest, if not lower. So, understand it. Uh, the others all make sense. So let's just go straight into the traded in. Tino is the number one most traded in player at the moment. of trades have involved him coming in. 
I was against it last week, and I tell you what, got that one wrong big time. Happy to put my hand up because Big Tino absolutely smashed it again with another ton. Didn't expect it. Uh, got a try, though, but 105 points. You can't argue with that, especially when he's got 60 in raw base. That's just phenomenal. And he's been good all year. He's the number one front row forward of the season at 77 points per game. So at 811,000, you can understand people spending. I'm not going to talk anyone out of it. Uh, I am just going to play a bit of devil's advocate with it. I wouldn't say to anyone that's sold on getting Tino in not to. You know, I, last week, I wasn't that into it, especially his first game back. And with the draw, he threw up 105 anyway. So you could argue that he's just so good at 77 points a game with a raw base of 57 and a base-base attack of close to 64 a game. That you just get him in anyway. It doesn't matter about the opposition. But devil's advocate. He is playing against the Penrith Panthers this week, who are at full strength. The Titans side that has been named looks pretty weak. Certainly a lot of that's more in the back line, but they're not looking too strong at all. They could absolutely get done by 50. And one of the things with guys like Tino is he's not going to score a huge amount of tries. He's actually got one of his best try-scoring seasons, or the best one at the Titans anyway, uh, with six tries so far this year. It's unlikely that he's going to get a try in the next couple of weeks. So for head-to-head players, that's a killer because that round 27 matchup against the Dogs looks pretty good at home for the the Titans, even if they're under strength. You're not going to get that if you're head-to-head anyway. So Penrith and Storm, the next two, pretty tough call. Now, someone like Andrew uh, Andrew Fafita, going back to 10 years ago, David Fafita. People are talking about sitting David Fafita or even selling David Fafita. I think that he's a completely different kettle of fish to Tino. You know, so you know some people will say that oh, Barnsley, you're saying maybe have pause for Tino, but certainly you know keep Fafita and play Fafita. Fafita's averaging 84 points a game. He he's a full eight points better than what Tino is. So I think that's a, a marked difference. Uh, the other thing too with David Fafita is he's actually scored not very many tries for him. He's gone for uh, seven tries this season so far, so only one more than what Tino has, which is amazing. But his games without tries are still big, whereas a lot of Tino's games without tries are a little bit more mediocre. You know, you've got, even a few weeks ago, against the Cowboys, round 22, no try for David Fafita, he still threw up 88 points. You've got some of these other big scores that he's got in here where he didn't have a try. Scored 100 points in round 10 with zero tries. And again, 84, 82, back-to-back, round 7 and 8, where he didn't get a try. He's got games all year, even at the start of the year, round 4, 96 points, no try. 83 points, no try. He doesn't need tries, whereas someone like Tino, you might get some more mediocre, um, decent scores, but not as big as what Fafita's scores will be. Fafita can still get offloads and tackle breaks in bunches, and he has all year, with an average of 21 points from offloads and tackle breaks per game that's significantly higher than what Tino's is. So Fafita doesn't even need the high work rate. He can get 10, down, 10 runs in a game and still get to his 21 points in base base attack. Uh, sorry, in base attack, plus his 47 base. He just gets there. So I'm, I'm all for holding Fafita. I'm all for playing Fafita. I'm not going to talk anyone out of getting Tino, but it would not surprise me if he go 62-point average the next two weeks. And then you have to ask yourself, was it really worth the trade if that happens? Uh, But he's pretty scary at the moment. They are using him pretty well, so maybe he does stand up. Moving right along, uh, uh, Nick Meany is one of my favourite outside back tradings this week. I absolutely love it. 
He's only 549,000 at the moment. He's been traded in, in bunches. But I think the good thing in, in Nick Meany is he's in 16% of teams, and for someone like him, you sort of expect him to be in 30% plus teams with how highly owned he's been in the past, but a lot of people jumped off him. I think the Storm Dragons is arguably the best matchup of the round. Uh, if not, then maybe the Penrith Titans and the Storm Dragons are the two best matchups. But Meany came out last week and threw up 120 points. Obviously, hasn't been going great before that. 39, 50, 53, and 72. But that still rounds out a decent five-round average. And I think that we saw on the weekend when the Storm are firing what sort of upside he has as a goal kicker. A lot of people are worried about Paps. I was too. I thought that he might have been on the bench this week. He's not in the side. So, especially for head-to-head players that just need to win this week, it really doesn't matter. He's a prime prime trade-in. He's got one of the best matchups you can have with the Dragons. Uh, the Dragons are looking under strength. The Storm are looking fantastic. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes another 100-plus this week, and that's what I'm banking on for Nick Meany. Uh, Goal-kicking plus some attack. If he can go over for a line-break try, which I'm going to pick him for, and you've also got half a dozen goals in there, he's going to be locked in for a big score. And he can even be a sneaky VC option in this sort of game. You saw last week he threw up 120. That could be very loopable for some really strong teams with no AE nightmares this week. So I love Nick Meany, and the biggest thing with him as well is that he's 550000 That is super cheap. You could get rid of uh, an outside back, or you could even, through duels, get rid of a Hopgood and go to Meany and use 100 150k to put somewhere else. So absolutely love the Meany trade-ins. Tohu Harris, I'm going to be super controversial here. Uh, people will say, Barnsley, you, you bash Tohu Harris all year. Yeah, look, I'm not a big Tohu Harris fan because, look, he, he just he gets injured, and generally if you... If you chase his big scores, you're going to cop a couple of little ones because he doesn't keep going with the big scores, and that's been the case all year. Let me tell you something. Here's a story. Tohu Harris the last two weeks, 75 and 87 points. Marvellous. Tohu Harris before the last two weeks, zero tries. He has scored a try in back-to-back weeks. So if you've got a guy that's gotten around 23 and before that game started had scored no tries all year, and then scored back-to-back tries. I don't think you need to be a mathematician to guess how likely it is that he's going to back it up with a try this week or next. It is very unlikely that you're going to get tries from him in the next couple of weeks. The other thing that I find surprising when I have a look at Tohu Harris is that the last two weeks he's played 80 and 72 minutes. And before that, his minutes were 56, 36, 59, 71, 68. They fluctuated quite a bit. Uh, They were pretty consistent to that sort of 70 to 80 range for the first half of the season, and they've sort of fallen off. I expected him to get less minutes the last couple of weeks. So certainly, you know, if he keeps getting 72 to 80 minutes like the last two weeks, he's still going to be very good, uh, even, you know, looking at his base. But look at his base the last two weeks, because I think people will be surprised about that too. His base the last two weeks has been 46 and 50. Now, for a middle forward that's playing almost 80 minutes a game, that's not particularly elite. And it's certainly not the sort of base that we were seeing from him at the start of the year. You know, the first two rounds of the season, Tohu threw up 76 and 72 points in base. That's a far cry from the 48 average the last two weeks. So I certainly think the numbers say he's slowing down even with the bigger minutes. I certainly think the numbers say uh, people are chasing points the last two weeks and you kind of just missed out on it. You know, at 600,000, I'd be looking at other guys. For Newell Blake against Manly, he's getting traded in heaps. I'd much rather that. Uh, I'd, I'd rather some of these other players that I just I don't think that are going to get a rest either. You know, the Canberra Raiders, they've got some front row forward options. 
those guys need to play and win every week just about to, to maintain their spots in the eight. So they're going to be absolutely firing with their big guns. And that happens every year with Ricky's Raiders. Generally, the last few rounds, they can play big minutes if they're chasing spots in the eight. With this Tohu-led Warriors side, they're, they're traveling sweet. They, they beat Manly this week especially. Dragons and Dolphins are the final two. I wouldn't be surprised if Tohu has a rest. So I just don't think that he's got the upside when you look outside the last two weeks to warrant getting him in. And I don't think that he's going to have the reliability for the close of the season. So I would certainly look elsewhere other than Tohu. But look, he's proved me wrong the last couple of weeks, so maybe he will again. Cameron Munster. News just broke today that Cameron Munster's partner is waiting on a baby to come out. And with that impending birth means that Cameron Munster may very well miss the game this week. So you have to keep your ear to the ground, look at the news, make sure that you're not going to trade him in if he is not going to play. I love Munster this week, though. If we get word that he's playing, uh, I think stocking up on Storm, you know, a Munster Meany double trade-in would be perfect for head-to-head or overall players. And one of the good things with Munster, I actually think that he's a VC option this week because it's just such a good matchup. You could even go for a sneaky C, but Cleary plays the game after him. And look, last week, I was pretty worried about Munster at halftime. I actually traded him in the last couple of weeks and I sort of thought, oh no, like he's he's got these lower scores. But he came through, he got a try, ended up with 87 points. And I think it's really reassuring that he's got a five-round average of 75. And he's got one dud in there, but it's against Penrith with his 46 points. So if you take that Penrith game out and just say that's a really tough one at Penrith, the other four games, 65, 97, 80, and 87, it's a much better average. And it's looking at close towards a 80-plus average. And 80-plus is what he could do the next couple of weeks very easily. Uh, like I said with some of the other purchases before, it's not just a great purchase this week. One of the reasons I love Brian Toto last week is because he had a good matchup that week, but he also had the Titans this week. With Cameron Munster and the Storm players, they've got the Dragons this week, and then they're at home versus the Titans. The next two weeks are absolute gold. If you're a head-to-head player, the Storm are the ticket for you to get to a grand final and to win a grand final. There is St. George this week to get there, and then your grand final, they're playing at home against the Gold Coast Titans. That is phenomenal. Uh, you miss out on the Broncos game, which is harder than the last round for the Storm. So I love Munster this week. I think you absolutely have to get him in because he's just got such good upside in the, ne- in the next two weeks. And he'll pair great with Meany coming in if the Storm absolutely kill it. Moving right along, another Storm player, Katoa. I absolutely was fuming that I didn't have trades left for Katoa. Uh, he has become really, really... Really popular this week, and for good reason. Uh, he was carving at the start of the season. He was going exceptionally well. I think if you look at the first month of football, you can sort of see what type of potential he has to finish the season. The first month, he went 54-92, 64-96. And the good thing is that none of those actually had tries in them. Uh, he's only actually scored uh, three tries all year, and two of those three have been the last three weeks. Playing against the Dragon's Edge, playing against the Titans' Edge, the next two, and only 511,000. You know, he is one of those guys that is immense value right now uh, because he's obviously been out injured and playing less minutes. He went back to the starting side last week and played 69 minutes. He'll probably go back to 80 minutes this week. It's a perfect time to buy Elisa Katoa at 511000 And the other good thing with him too is he's in 6% of teams. Even after the purchases, he may still very well be under 10% and in pod territory. He's a special to get another try this week against that Dragon's Edge. And if Munster's out... 
I can certainly see Hughes uh, getting a lot of ball on that right-hand side and hitting Elisa Katawa to go over for a try. So absolutely love him this week. Uh, I think the market has got it right with these Storm players coming in. A guy that I don't know if the market's got it right or not, Ronaldo Militalo. 110 points last week. So happy that I played Ronaldo. So happy that I held him. Anyone that listens to the podcast will know that I've been pretty big on holding Ronaldo because he's had some good matchups, including last week, which came through for us. But I don't really get getting him now. He's just gone his his first 100-plus score. Uh, the chances of doing that against the Cowboys away, it's a lot harder. Yeah, so last week was a great matchup against the Titans. That was a week to play him. That was a week to also get him in if you've never owned him, and it would have paid dividends. Getting him in now, uh, this could be a really tough matchup against the Cowboys and Sharks. It's a bit of an unknown for me, in my opinion. They're also playing at Townsville. It's a tough travel for the Sharks. Both these sides will want to win this. Um, There's a lot at stake for both teams. I don't know how comfortable I would be bringing him in. If I had him, I think that he's a 50-50 play, depending on the strength of the rest of your center wings. But not having him, I think I'd look at other options. I think the only real opportunity to get into Ronaldo Militalo right now is if you've got a really small budget to get someone in. In which case, I do understand it, and he does make some sense for those particular teams. At 475000 you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone under 500 k for your center wing that can be a bit of a strike weapon that has the opportunity to maybe score a couple of tries. 110 on the weekend with two tries. Uh, back in round 18 versus Dragons, he scored two and he got an 87. So he does have the upside. Um, but, yeah, I would definitely have a look at your options and what sort of bank you have before investing in Ronaldo. Latrell Mitchell. Uh, finally, you know, this is one that I did get right. <laughs> so I didn't get them all right, but I got Mitchell right. I wasn't huge on Mitchell last week, um, and I'm feeling the same about him this week. He was 81 last week. That was a good score. But again, we've got three scores back now from his long-term layoff from his calf injury where he's gone 74, 71, and 81. Now, look, that's a really good 75 average. Uh, you know, you can't complain about that at all. But is it really worth trading him in for this week when you know in the grand final week for head-to-head in round 26 he's got a buy? And he's also playing away against Newcastle at McDonald Jones Stadium, and Newcastle have been red hot. I thought that the... The Bunnies were very, very unconvincing on the weekend against Dragons. And Newcastle may very well upset them. So this could be a really tough game. Uh, Mitchell has not been setting the world on fire. He's just been good. He hasn't been elite. And he still hasn't hit a ton since round eight. So getting him in for one game, having a bye with him, and then playing the Sydney Roosters in round 27, it just doesn't fill me with confidence. I think that at this point, you go elsewhere. Like, if you wanted Latrell Mitchell, uh, train him in a couple of weeks ago. You know, get some solid scores and uh, and a few more games out of him. Getting two out of the next three out of him at 719,000. If he keeps going how he's going, it's just going to be a solid move. It's not going to be one that's going to go huge. And against the Knights and the Roosters, it might be tough for him to go huge now. Uh, so I'm, I'm not all around that one. I think there's some maybe better options. But it is Latrell Mitchell. Who knows? Maybe I'll get that one wrong too. Jermaine Asako coming in. Uh, I really don't like this one. I know on paper it looks like, oh, we're playing the West Tigers. The problem is the side that the Dolphins have named is just really, really weak. And you can see that they've kind of thrown in the towel a bit on the season and, and gone for development. Anyone with niggles isn't playing. You have a look at the side and just the back line. O'Sullivan and Katoa at the halves. Jennings and Bostock at the centres. 
uh, Tessie New and Asako on the wings and Nikarima at fullback. Yeah, that that side playing away against the West Tigers and the West Tigers having just you know had Tim Sheens walk out. I I do think that they're going to get done, and even the depth on the bench and even that forward pack that they've got. You know, they've got a, a hooker that's played one or two first grade games as well. It's just you might think the Tigers are the wooden spooners, but the Dolphins have named you know half of their normal first grade side to play this week. So Asako could very well struggle, and we've already seen him score a try and, and get fifty to sixty points. Uh, and certainly, if he doesn't have very many goals, you know that's it's it's up there as a possibility. Uh, I would put his range somewhere in the realm of thirty to sixty-five, and I don't think that's going to be worth getting him in. Uh, so I would be looking elsewhere for that because you're going to be spending. Well over six hundred thousand dollars, six hundred thirty-one thousand. I think that's madness. But what isn't madness is Brian Toto. He's now gone up to seven hundred seventy-five thousand. He's one hundred percent worth purchasing because when you're looking at Brian Toto lately, he's just been absolutely killing it, and he's in twenty percent of teams. But that should be much higher. He's gone seventy-seven on the weekend, one hundred eight, eighty-four, and one hundred four the four week, the three weeks before that. He now has a three-round average of almost 90 points a game and a five-round average of almost 86. Playing against the Gold Coast Titans this week, uh, I think that he's a great one to be stocking up on to keep up with the crowd, but I'd also say with that 20%, you know, if you're head-to-head, you might find that you're not going to encounter too many teams with him and he can be a huge point of difference and some teams will be out of trades and not be able to afford the 775k. Uh, I mentioned Latrell Mitchell before. You know, I would buy Brian, Brian Toto via Jules instead of Latrell Mitchell at the moment. I just think that Brian Toto is getting the ton. Some people think it's crazy. Well, two out of four of the last games, Brian Toto has tonned. Every one of his last four games, he's beaten Latrell Mitchell bar the 77 versus Mitchell's 81 on the weekend. It just looks like a no-brainer to me to be getting in Brian Toto. Uh, and I would even say Nick Meany might even be a better fullback option and more potish than what Latrell Mitchell will be. So, Brian Toto, love it. Let's go into the games for the round. Uh, before we do that, I do need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast, in Picklebet. Picklebet.com. Go and have a look at them. I have to say, I do my best to get these podcasts out all the time, every week, and I have a ripper of a time doing it throughout the season, but it is for free. I never, ever charge anyone, and I never will for any of this content, but at the same time, we do need partners of the podcast to keep us going. There is costs involved. There is a lot of time involved, so there's got to be something there, and my partnership with Picklebet gives me that, but I do need people if you're interested. We are at the end of the season. If you are interested in Picklebet, go and have a look. This is the time to do it. Helps the podcast. Also, if you like to have a punt, you might find that you enjoy it. But if you do do a uh, deposit and create an account, make sure that you create that account with the promo code of ALLSTARS, all one word, ALLSTARS, and they'll know that you're a listener from the podcast and they'll take great care of you. So this week, the bet I've got on with Picklebet myself, Roosters to win any time, Storm line of minus 14.5, Warriors to win, Panthers minus 21.5, that's going to give you $6.99 on the odds at the moment. Absolutely love the odds that you can get from Picklebet. Uh, they've got great rugby league. Also, all the other sports, though, you know, you can go and have a punt on the Matildas. You can certainly go and have a, a look at the racing if you're into the horses and e-gaming. They've been big in for years. So go and check out picklebet.com today. Make sure you use the promo code ALLSTARS when you sign up. Always think, is this a bet that you want to place for free and confidential support? You can call 1-800-858-858. Moving along to the matchups. 
So the first game of the round, what we're going to do here is we're going to look at the captaincy options and the vice captaincy options, but we're also going to look at some pot options too, especially for head-to-head when you need to differentiate. Now, obviously, when we're looking at um, overall, you are going to have to look at what it's going to look like after this week. First game of Sharks-Cowboys. Now, I'll tell you what, there's a, a few interesting options in this one, and it's, it's pretty interesting too if you think the Sharkies can upset. They're almost $2.40 on Picklebet, which I do really quite like. Cam McInnes. 1% ownership. Now, if you're looking at guys that got away, he has really rocketed up the minutes lately. Uh, so McInnes has been killing it for about a month now. And when you have a look at it, he scores 104 on the weekend with a try, 69, 87, 95 with a try. He's now got a five-round average of 78, of 81, sorry and a three-round average of 87. So he's been averaging 80s, and pretty much he's done that, 80-plus, as an average since around 17 by. One of the big things with him is the last three weeks, I think that you can comfortably say he's going to continue on because his minutes have gone through the roof. Last three weeks, he's gone 68, 73, and 80 minutes. That is a far cry from the 50s in minutes that he's played pretty much the entire year, aside from when he was playing even less than 50-plus minutes, which happened quite a bit. So all of a sudden, he's rocketed up to 700000 in value, but that's because he's been averaging 80-plus, and for the last three rounds, his base has been through the roof because his minutes have been through the roof. His base, raw base, 63, 67. 87, which was that massive tackle game. But if you think that was an outlier with all those tackles, even the last two weeks, he's averaging 64 in raw base. That's without his tackle breaks and offloads or any attack that he's going to get. So he's going to get you mid-60s just by doing his work and just by the minutes that he's getting at the moment. Anything else is gravy. A lot of the other secondary forward options at the moment haven't been as reliable. So, for instance, um, he has been more reliable than what Hopgood has the last few rounds. And scores of 95, 87, 69, and 104 the last month, he's gone well under the radar at 1% ownership. He's in the first game, so he's not a catch-up head-to-head buy. He's a buy to throw in against your opponent and grab 20 points up on their secondary forward option straight away, potentially, because he's just getting through that much work. And they need him in the middle there at Cronulla. So looking across on the other side, in their pack for the Cowboys, you've got Nane returning. Now, you could look at it and go, look, we want to wait on Nane. Maybe it's um, the wrong time to get him in. He hasn't played since round 21. But before he only had 42 minutes in round 21, he had four games of just going absolutely crazy where he scored three out of three tries in those four games. And he scored 68, 106, 84, and 82. Now, I was really against Nene at the start of the year. But when he's got these runs and when he's finishing off the year with a decent draw for a couple of weeks, then you you need to really consider. And at 650-odd thousand, he could be the real port option in the pack that's got some upside to score some tries. He's at 3.5% ownership. and And he can be a massive point of difference at that, at 3.5% ownership in your matchups. So does have the low side, but you know has been going pretty well the second half of the season in the four games that he's played. So he's an option. When you're looking at the backline options, I will say as an absolute hand grenade, uh, Talakai is seemingly back after being dropped. Uh, 48 on the weekend, but I think the promising thing was the 71 that he had against Souths. 
if you think that that uh, Cowboys backline is going to struggle with him, and you think that someone like Mulatalo is going to get tries, then maybe he's a bit of a hand grenade. He's a bit too much of a hand grenade for me. I don't think he's had that good a year. He's only averaged bang on 60. Uh, and when you have a look at it, they've got Newcastle and Canberra the next two. That's not terrible, but it's not great. I um I, I do think that he might be a better draft option, and I have actually seen him available at times in drafts in the last few weeks. So that's probably a bit better. Uh, when we're looking at vice-captains, I think that Nico Hines is always going to be a vice-captain. I am happy to say that he was nowhere near what I hoped he would be last week. It was a frustrating game, though, because if you're watching that game of Nico, he scored 55 points, but there was at least six or seven times where you thought he was going to be part of a try and someone's been ankle-tapped or grabbed right when they went through the line or the space has just closed on him and someone's grabbed him before he's made a line break or someone's dropped a pass. I think Ronnie did that once last week on him as well. There was a heap of times where he was so close. It could have easily been 150 score, but it just wasn't to be. Um, Everyone else picked up the slack and scored all the supercoach points last week. But Hines, uh, the week before against the Astro, up 100. So he can certainly throw it up again this week against the Cowboys. Always going to be a vice-captaincy option, I think, but probably too many better options that we're going to talk about for this round to probably do it. For the game after this one, the Warriors and Manly, I absolutely think that the Warriors will win in a canter. So if you've got Warriors backline players, it's great. DWZ was a great buy last week. I only scored the 58, but I do think that he could be looking at a double this week and he might be a 75, 80 plus sort of option. But the big one is going to be, you know, Sean Johnson owners, do you just ride the ride the bullet and just go, we're just going to VC or C Sean Johnson for this week. I was a bit worried about it last week. Uh, He ended up going better than some of the other options, but at the same time, Johnson, I guess you have to say was disappointing, but he was better than, say, Cleary and Hines, so they were just more disappointing. 73 points against the West Tigers wasn't the best. Uh, I, I sort of think that he could go bigger this week, though, being at home versus Manly. It's just a bit hard to say, and I think that Nathan Cleary really muddies the waters, who we're going to talk about shortly, because he looks like the best option out of the three. But if you don't have Nathan Cleary, I could certainly see a C, Sean Johnson this week, or even a VC, and you could see someone later in the week. But when we're having a look at the next game, my Roosters versus the Eels. Convex Stadium is a bit of a worry for me, but there is definitely some other super coach options that weren't in market watch. Uh, Daniel Tupo, 1.7% ownership. People will say that I've talked about him too much. Well, I don't care. I like him. He's um, due for a try. If you have a look at the numbers for him, and I'll just do it off a pure number basis here, he's sub 600k, so he is affordable. He didn't score a try last week. He doesn't normally go many games in a row before scoring. So everyone can go, oh, he didn't score last week. It was against the Dolphins. He should have. Should have. Only got 43 points. He's two weeks before when he did score, 88 and 66. Uh, the week before he didn't score, 33. Round 20, he scored a double, 122 points against the Storm. When he scores tries, he's getting really elite scores, and it's, that's what it's going to come down to. Do you think that Daniel Tubo can get tries this week versus the Parramatta Reels? Well, I'll tell you what, his third best average out of any team is, is Parramatta. He averages 64 points a game against the Eels. That's his third best average for his career out of anyone. Uh, he does like playing the Eels. It is at Combank Stadium, but you have to think that with him not scoring a try last week, with the Roosters starting to put on points, with maybe Sam Walker coming back into the side, that they are going to find him for a try this week. 
I'm going to bank on it. I, I love watching him against Para, and the only side that's better, aside from Newcastle, than Para for him is the West Tigers. You know who the Roosters play in the head-to-head grand final week in round 26? The West Tigers. Tubo loves playing them. He's got some massive massive scores from him in the past. He's turned up a few times against the Tigers, and he could do very well against them in round 26. So another one of those trades where if you don't have the money to buy a, a Toto and so forth, he's an option. He's certainly a pod option at 1.7%. I would get Nick Meany 100 times out of 100 instead of him, though. So you know, if you've already got Nick Meany, great. If you don't, you should be getting Nick Meany, you should be getting Brian Toto, you should be getting some of these other guys. I'm just trying to Tupo out there because he's going to play a few games in, and if you're chasing and you need a pod, maybe you can hope for a double. He does have a decent record versus Parramatta. Uh, Butcher has sort of gone under the radar a little bit this year. I've kept thinking that his minutes were going to fall off, but Nat Butcher has just kept on keeping on. And when we're having a look at second row forward, he actually had three line breaks last week. Uh, So he absolutely killed it on the attack for the Roosters versus Dolphins. And Parramatta have got this really bad habit of letting other forwards go through them or or hit them on the edges. So it really does bode well for someone like Butcher against Parramatta. He scored 95 points on the weekend. Uh, The weeks before that, it was 53-43 and then a 74 with a try. You do need him to probably get some attack for some big scores. Uh, He did have a massive one in round 18 where he scored 97 without a try and 87 with a try the week before that. He does have a pretty good average for the season at 64, and he's got a three-round average of 64 and a five-round of 63. If you're getting him, you're getting him because you think at sub-600,000, he's in your price range perhaps, or even more so, you're banking on the fact that Parramatta is starting to implode, and they're letting in points, and where they generally let in supercoach points can be through those forwards who have been a little bit weak, and someone like Butcher can actually exploit that. He is hardly owned by anybody at 2.6%. So there's definitely an option there. Uh, as far as the VC and C goes, the VC, Teddy, might be on. Uh, Teddy traditionally doesn't go that well against Parramatta. His highest score ever is 180 points versus Parramatta, which is massive. But the last couple of years, he, his range has been pretty low and he's averaged more like mid-50s to low-60s against Parramatta for a couple of years now. So whether you think he's going to buck that trend or not, you could always throw the VC on him. I may because there's going to be absolutely no one with a VC on him. But the main reason that I would be doing it is because um, it gives you a really easy C into Cleary uh, the next day. The Tigers versus Dolphins. Uh, now this one, I... I, the Dolphins look absolutely terrible, which I mentioned. I don't think there's a lot to look at on the Tigers' side of things. Uh, I will just throw out there, though, that the Junior Tupo has three tons this year where he's absolutely blitzed it, and he scored terribly every other week. So if you think the Tigers are going to bounce back, and especially with Sheen's being punted, going to go in and have a big win, uh, then maybe you know Junior Tupo goes for another 100-plus because the Dolphins' side looks pretty bad. There's no way I could buy him, but on draft watch. Pick up, I'd pick up Junior Tupo and I would play him because I think that he's going to be good for a try or two and he might be in for a bigger score. The Panthers versus Titans is the next one. Uh, I have to say, I've already spoken about Toto. We've spoken a little bit about Cleary. Cleary is my number one captaincy option this week. There is no way that I could go away from him. Playing the Titans uh, and how he... He, just, he looks like he's going to bounce back from last week. It's very rare that Nathan Cleary goes a 53, which is his fourth lowest score of the year, and then throws up another 53. You know, he's going to throw up a good score. 
So I'm really into him, um, especially when you look at the, the side that the Titans have named. It is very, very weak. Uh, that back line looks pretty terrible, really. So I am banking on the Panthers to be 20-plus winners in margin, at least potential for a huge flogging this week. If that happens, there's going to be a lot of goal kicking. And it was one of those things last week. Cleary had no attacking stats. He barely had any base attack. His base was really quite average, and yet he still scored 53. And it was because he just scored everything in goals. He just had so many points in goals. And at halftime, you just sort of thought, oh, he's only going to score with goals. If he does that this week and they flog him, he'll get into the 60s and 70s just like that. So I think it's a big week for Cleary. Uh, Other thing is as well that Cleary hasn't scored a try for quite a while. This one he might be primed to, just on the law of averages. I think that Cleary could get over. So I, I love Cleary this week. I'm all over him for the captaincy, as you can probably tell. They haven't played the Titans this year, but they have played them before, obviously. And Nathan Cleary's all-time score, best ever, is 225 points. Who was it against? Yes, it was against the Gold Coast Titans. I would argue that the side that they have named on the weekend is worse than the side that he put 225 points on uh, not like long ago. So I'm all over Cleary, but who else is there? We've got Toho that we've spoken about. We've got Cleary we've spoken about. I'll tell you who else there is. 6.4% owned, Stephen Crichton. I don't love Crichton as an option normally, but he's a guy who doesn't get the big scores even when he scores the tries. But I, I can't see him not scoring a try this week. He scored a double on the weekend for 76 points. Uh, the week four, try 67. And that can keep happening with him. You know, he does have these weeks where he scores tries, but he doesn't score massive. But he does have four tries back in round eight where he scored 148 points. That's the type of upside that is there. Uh, he's also scored 94 points against the Chooks with two tries. He does have that upside for a ton. And he's only got one ton this year so far. Biggest thing, though, Aside from the 6.4% ownership, he's only going to cost you 570000 So I'm talking about Tupo as a pod option to chase. I would be getting Stephen Crichton over him as well all day because this matchup for him is primed. And the other thing too is that if you're worried about Nathan Cleary maybe going off for a rest if they're up 30 or 40 points for the last 15 minutes or something, we saw Caelan Ponga last week with a lot of people captaining him. Maybe at the 65th minute, Mark Cleary goes off. You know who goal kicks in? Stephen Crichton does. And Stephen Crichton may very well get an extra eight points for nothing just by goal kicking in that final 15 minutes even more. So Crichton at 570000 I think he's the third guy. If you do own Brian Toto and Nathan Cleary and you want another Panther, I think Stephen Crichton makes a huge amount of sense this week. The Dragons and the Storm. We've already spoken about the big guns for the Storm. Let's talk about some Uber pods, especially for draft players. There's a couple of Uber pods here that have actually been going pretty good at 0.1 and 0.2% ownership. It'd be very ballsy to buy them in Classic, but you know if they end up in the side come game day, I think it's an option because the Storm could put on so many points versus the Dragons. Seve. No, I haven't gone, tr- I haven't gone crazy. Let's have a look at the points. Last three weeks where he's been starting centre. 100 points, 42 points, 83 points. Three-round average of 75 and two out of those three weeks, he's scored a try, but it's only been single tries. He's had a raw base as well of 35-plus without his base attack. Uh, he's He's been going great guns for the last three weeks, and that's been against opposition of Parramatta, Penrith, and the Raiders. The next two, he's going to play the Dragons and the Titans if he keeps that spot, but certainly it looks like he's got the spot this week. Uh, I reckon he's primed for the same game as last week where he went 83 points. So at 610000 um, he's a little expensive, but 
it's one of those moves that's super ballsy if you're chasing and you need a point of difference. He's the type of guy that could get you into a head-to-head grand final. Uh, it's one of those ones that you're not going to feel comfortable with. You're not going to be as comfortable as getting a Stephen Crichton or some of these other bigger names in. But often it is guys like Seve that come through at the end of the year with a spot start that can actually catapult you into a grand final and head-to-head or help you chase in the overall ranks. The other centre that's come in for them is young Tonamapia. He's been very similar too. Um, certainly he's got a real dud in there three weeks ago, 25 in 73 minutes. But the last two weeks with a couple of tries, 82 and 73 points. Uh, so again, he has been going well and he looked really good and powerful last week. And I think the Dragons outside backs are going to struggle with Seve and Tonampia. So draft options for sure. Jump all over him. I probably lean towards Seve a little bit more. But if you're classic and you've got those big balls and you want to get them out and you want a big balls purchase, Tonamapia and Seve, 0.1, 0.2% ownership. They may very well score some of these other guys. I can't do it, not just because I don't have any trades, but I just don't have the balls to go for those guys over some of the others. But I could see them very well being top scorers because I love that drag in the matchup. The next one is... Uh, oh, we should talk about captaincy and vice-captaincy, sorry. Uh, I actually was entertaining... A potential VC Cleary C Cameron Munster, and I think that with Munster's scores in the eighties um, for four of the last five, he could very well go for a ton. Uh, it's been a little while since he's done that, but with the impending birth of his child, it's going to be pretty brave for you to go ahead and do that. If you're chasing and you do have a VC on Cleary instead, or you want to throw the VC on Cleary instead and, and look to chase, uh, provided that he's playing, I, I think that he's a pick in this one. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes ballistic. The Newcastle Knights are playing in the next game, and it's a tougher one against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Kalen Ponga just seems like he's always going to be a captaincy option, but even he was a little bit disappointing on the weekend. Uh, he's thrown up a 77, which is still a great score, but it was well below what he's done for the five weeks before that. That's his lowest score since round 17. So maybe with how the South Sydney Rabbitohs are playing, if they throw up the game that they did last week, at McDonald Jones Stadium, Caelan Pong could easily ton again. And I think that certainly a VC Cleary and a C Ponger is on the cards still. It might be a little bit scary, though, if South decide to fire. So I'm going to stick away from it, but I certainly think it's an option. But as far as Podwatch, we've got to talk about this again. Podwatch, Gagai, came through last week in flying colours. Been talking about him for a few weeks now. And Dane Gagai, 727000 is a premium option at his price point. He has absolutely killed it the last month of football, and I wish I could have brought him in. He has gone 76, 97, 70, and 97 on the weekend. He's only got one try in those four games. Unbelievable season from Gagai. 73 points on the year, uh, and he has been carving up, doesn't matter what team, on that four-week run, 76 points against the Storm. That's a tough one. 97 points away at GIO versus the Canberra Raiders. You know, that wasn't easy. And the last two weeks, he had easier matchups. Uh, but even if you have a look at 80 points versus the Roosters, 86 points versus the Broncos, and again, only one try, or no tries in either of those. You know, he has just been so good with the base and so good with the base attack this year. I think that he's rated right up there as far as the center wing buys. If money doesn't make any difference to you, uh, I'd still probably gravitate towards Brian Toto. Dane Gagol might be my second favorite, though, especially because he's going to be at that 
4.7% mark and not that many are bringing him in. You know, if you're looking at chasing and you're looking at overall especially, maybe there's an argument that you go Gagai over Toto just because of the fact that the ownership is so much less. Last game of the round, Dogs and Raiders. Uh, I certainly wouldn't be captaining anyone in this one, but in saying that, there is a guy that hasn't been talked about on market watch, I don't think at all, really, for a few weeks. And uh, Jacob Carraz had 43 on the weekend, and that's probably made everyone just look away and, and not bother because the dogs looked terrible once again. But the four rounds before that, he basically averaged 70. 67, 69, 72, 71, and the base base attack was there. He only had one game in those four games where he averaged 70, where he had a try. Nothing less than 67 with a 67 to 72 range. Against the Raiders this week, uh, the Raiders looked awful last week. Absolutely awful. Now, the Raiders are going to be playing for their season. Dogs are just playing for pride. But Jacob Carraz looks solid solid as a rock as a purchase. Um, especially, again, when you're looking at those sort of budget areas, he's 550000 So, at only 8.7% ownership, 550000 If he goes over for a try, we know that he can go 90-plus straight away very easily with his base pace attack. If he can somehow manage a double, like if the Raiders don't turn up and play like they did last week, I even think the Dogs could upset them with how how badly they played. So, you know, Carraz is one of those ones where, again, if you've only got a, a budget of around 500k and you're looking for a pod, he's probably a good one. I'm going to play him as an owner, and I think that he's a different play. I sat him last week, and I'm playing him this week, and I'm actually really looking forward to playing him this week. That is all the games. That is the podcast. Did a bit of a quicker one this week. Hopefully you get something out of it, but make sure if you want to tune in, you grab us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon. Also, make sure you tune in to the Talking Footy podcast this week. We've got Timmy O'Connor from the Off The Bench podcast. Also, make sure that you jump on picklebet.com with promo code, or affiliate code, I should say, All Stars. Put that in when you sign up. We'll take great care of you. Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Good luck with the head-to-head finals this week, or if you're overall, good luck with your climb. We'll be back again next week with another Super Coach episode. Until then, enjoy the round. Good luck. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.